You know, it is actually fitting that for the seventh episode, we talk about the seventh game in the main series of its franchise. <laughs> I was waiting for you to follow up on something there, but apparently not. <laughs> It took me a second. I'm like, wait a minute, you're right. I know. I, I literally so just realized that as soon as I hit start record. Oh my god. Man. So yeah. I um, I know how to plan uh, these things. No, you don't. Nah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well that's fitting. That is fitting. Hi, welcome to the season lame checkup OVA episode number seven. I'm Jared, joined as you've heard by fantastic friend of the side and Ladium. Hello. And we're going to talk about a franchise that has, like, what, 80 games in it or something that we... It was disgusting. It was a huge amount of games. Way too many. Yes. So we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Some say is the best Final Fantasy game. Some say it's the worst Final Fantasy game. Some say they don't really have an opinion of it one way or the other. (laughs) But it is perhaps one of the most popular Final Fantasy games one of the best selling anyway. Yeah, that's also very very true. I think I will I will point out first things first that like you might want to go check out the Final Fantasy 7 piece that Polygon just put up a few weeks back that kind of is a deep dive into like development and they talked to a bunch of the people who worked on on the game and who were at Square at the time, which is real interesting especially cuz you don't really get that much of a deep dive into Japanese game development like ever. And a no. lot of the stuff in that in that piece is just real fascinating, where like they talk about how development of Final Fantasy VII came to be, and then a lot of the stuff that kind of happened after VII, so like the Square EA merger, well not merger, but deal, the Spirits Within, and then like kind of like the, the future past VII and all that stuff, so go check that out if you want, or just like wait till after we're done talking about it, and then you can go check it out yourself, I don't know, I'm not your boss. I mean... <laughs> As a video game historian, though, reading it was absolutely fascinating. Although there's some really, really offensive stuff in there. So be warned that there may be some stuff that you read and you're just like, oh, God, I can't believe they said that. But it is really, really a well done piece. And there's great stuff about art, the music. So I, I can appreciate it. And you can just learn more that Nomura is kind of a scumbag. He is. And Sakaguchi is great. And everyone should love him. The king. Period. End of story. He is he is the king, <laughs> and he has the most magnificent mustache ever. That's also true. Um, nobody should have mustaches ever except for Sakaguchi. Period. <laughs> End of story. I love that man. I love him. You know, I just realized something. This is what? this is not going to matter to anyone else except us. <laughs> we need to pl- we need to play Lost right. Odyssey. Oh crap! We do. We do. Oh my god. So yeah. We should do that when we get off of this. That is that's very true. Uh, okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Sakaguchi games are the best. So the reason we're talking about Final Fantasy VII today is because I've had that game for quite a while. Like, I have a PS1 copy of that game that I bought in, like, 2001 or something like that. And then I rebought it for PS4. <laughs> Do not make fun of my naming of year conventions. That is totally correct. <laughs> I, Continue. I bought the PS4 version that came out when like they announced Final Fantasy VII was coming back to PS4, and then it was like, whoops, that's the PC port, LOL. <laughs> that was awkward. That was so amazing. So I, I've had that version, and I kind of played like through maybe like a quarter of it and then fell off of it, because that's just how I am with games sometimes. And then I think you were 
playing it or something. Some some reason I got back into wanting to play that game. I was playing it. For some reason, I got into a kick where I'm like, you know what? I have the PS4 version of Final Fantasy, and I really want to well, Final Fantasy VII specifically, and I really want to play it. So I just started playing, and I was talking about something in the story, and you're like, oh, wait, I was playing this game. And so you picked it back up. I did. And then I finished that game, which is like the first time I've ever really experienced the, the entire breadth of that game. Because when I had the PS1 version, I think I only got up to maybe like a quarter through disc one. Wow. Because, I mean, you got to realize young me did not understand how Japanese RPGs worked in the slightest bit. So I had, <laughs> I had no idea about like grinding or anything like that. I was like, I'm just going to play this straightforward. Obviously, that's how you play video games. <laughs> And then no. it's like, oh, yeah, I'm real stuck here. Well, can't play this game anymore. <laughs> and now, as an adult, Jared has completed Final Fantasy VII. Hey. Wrong, wrong genre. <laughs> um, anyway. I'm trying, to, so, I'm trying to think on the fly, like, where I would put that in the pantheon of Final Fantasy games that I've played. Which is just a weird list in general. Yeah. I would say... Mm, Nine ten two seven Mystic Quest. Wow, that was quick. Thank you. <laughs> wow, and see, seven is much lower on my list and personally, but I've also played a lot yeah. more Final Fantasy games than you. Also, ten um, would be at the very, very bottom of that list. Let's be real, for me at least. We've gone brutal. over this before. I mean, brutal. I know you don't like Titus. Um, I love Titus. And you make very good That's... points about Titus. I will give you that, and I agree with them. All the stuff in that game that's not Yuna or Riku is just garbage. I don't want to play Blitzball. I don't want to hear Titus whine about his dad. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. But I've played basically every Final Fantasy. Well, okay, not every Final Fantasy. There's but 80 I've played of them. Every, right. I've played every mainline title up until um, 14 and 15. Did you play 11? And I played 11. Okay. Um, wow, right? <laughs> uh, I, I played 11 I played um, a lot of the side stories we were just talking about how I played like Revenant Wings and uh, Crisis Core all those games which Crisis Core I was so happy that it came out because in Final Fantasy 7 there is one character who is very very much neglected and Crisis Core is like hey let's talk about him so I'm like yay let's do that but I've been playing these games for ever and i don't even remember the first time i played final fantasy 7 but i've played it probably at least 20 times <laughs> Jeez, it's it's a problem i own it on like ps1 and i own it on my vita and i own it on my playstation 4 now uh i think i own it on the computer i i own it in a lot of places <laughs> and so every once in a while I'll just go back to it play it um i think i played it twice in 2016 surprisingly enough Right, before you before you go on, I want to I want to do like a deep dive of like all the ver the versions that have been released of this game because there's a yeah, lot. There are. Uh, so there's the original PlayStation version because that was when it originally came out. A uh, year later, the original PC port that mm -hmm. IDOS put out, and then 09 is when it came to PSN for like PS3, Vita, PSP, all that stuff. Then it came to Steam in 2013, iOS in 2015 along with the PS4 version, and then Android in 2016. It's a lot of places to get your Final Fantasy VII kick. There are. So if you have not played it, like our pal Jared here... Hello. ...had not played it, 
<laughs> then you have options of how to play it if you so would like to. And I think maybe I would suggest probably getting like get the PS4 version or maybe those phone versions that have like the weird helpful mechanics that make that game a lot easier and less of a grind to get through. Man, speed play on PS4 was my jam. I love speeding through those battles. Get that time story speed up. Get just put God mode on. <laughs> uh, there was also no random encounters, but that's a terrible decision. It, it helps in certain spots, though. Like for me, especially when I would get lost. All oh, right. That definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it, you wouldn't want to play that game all the way through without random encounters, or else like you would die pretty quickly. Right. Unless you're in God mode, maybe. Eh, maybe even no, still. No, because you'd still have to have your HP high enough yeah. to survive certain hits. I guess for me, the main takeaway I, that I got from Final Fantasy VII is that, you know, like I absorbed like all of like the everyone talking about that game for years and years and years, and like the the way they talked about it was like, you know, it's this dark game, especially with like how they've they've kind of <laughs> well the way they've kind of like changed that to where like with the movie and then all the subsequent side games that's kind of been the main theme of Final Fantasy VII is like oh it's all dark and gloomy and and brooding and all that sort of stuff. Right. And like you kind of get that in like the the first bits of that game where like Cloud's like, "Oh, whatever, blah blah blah, I'm just here for for being here." Money. Yeah, and then like the 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 more you go through that game, it's like this game's real goofy. It is. In ways goofy. that like you don't expect. So like the main takeaway for me for Final Fantasy 7, it was surprising in ways I was never expecting after hearing like the the discourse of that game for so many years. So, I mean, one thing that you could even mention is who in a million years would have expected to see Barrett, who is the leader of a terrorist organization for, I mean, lack of a better word, who is a ginormous man for the most part, and he runs around in a sailor suit and they tell him he looks like a marshmallow. (laughs) Or a bear or something like that. I mean, a bear in a marshmallow suit, something crazy like that, but... I mean, it's goofy. It's so goofy. And it honestly makes me sad that that gets ignored so much. That Like, the game was silly at points. And I like that part of the game. I don't like the grim, dark version of Final Fantasy VII. It's just, yeah, it just seems boring, especially compared to the game. Like, oh, there's a trophy in the PS4 version for, like, oh, you want to go on a date with Barrett? Like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> Sephiroth throws materia at you and then flies away. Yep. And he bops you in the head with it and then he just zooms away. <laughs> like all the weird ghost stuff with Sephiroth where he'll just appear out of nowhere and be like, ha ha, I'm back. Ah. <laughs> it's like, what is this game? He's like the most cartoony villain until the end of disc one. And then even then, like throughout this too you're also like what are you even doing like who are you and like in, I was, in every uh, other media that they've put out since then he's like this such a like this dark character and like any of that goofy weirdness of him has just been completely erased right i mean we were even talking about when you were playing it that we're afraid in the remake that they'll take out him throwing materia at cloud's head <laughs> I, there's a lot i think like that is totally up in the air in terms of how they do that remake, which I mean, 
that's that's also a different topic but like just there's the cross-dressing scene obviously that's a big point of concern for people which they've kind of said like oh we're gonna keep that in there but even then it's like well how are they gonna handle how are they gonna handle it how there's just so much like goofy elements to that game like how are are they gonna be able to transition that well at all or is it just gonna be like oh we're gonna make this the same aesthetic and tone that you know everything's been since advent children Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I do you, I mean I know that you did the the cross-dressing scene did you get the full outfit like did you get him super pretty so he'd be picked I sure did yeah so you know about like how the honeybee inn has like the really really awkward scenes mm-hmm. I don't remember which one did you get do you remember uh good question so the one that I got in the most recent playthrough, I've gotten them all because, again, I've played this a lot of times. But the scene that I got in the most recent playthrough was the one where Cloud is put into a room with a bunch of, like, muscly guys and he has to take a bath with them. Oh, yeah, I got that scene. Okay, good. Like, how how are they going to handle that in HD? Like, for one, I feel like that might up the rating at this point. Eh. I could be wrong, but... um. I mean, it's not like they're naked in there, so, like, you can... No, it's true. They're wearing, like, banana hammocks, but <laughs> it, it's it's a weird scene, and I love it. And I love that that kind of thing is in the game. Or, um, like, the stair climbing scene, where Barrett is just constantly b***ing <laughs> about how many stairs he has to climb, and he's talking about, like, how he's going to die, and somebody needs to take care of Marlene for him and everything, and it's wonderful. It's so good. Like, that kind of bizarreness thrown in the game i i i I love that i love 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 that um while while a lot of the game is very very serious and some elements of it i was thinking last playthrough is that you know it's actually pretty modern in the sense that you do have a lot of issues with like the environment and Mm -hmm. um like rich business people trying to exploit um the underclasses that I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of modern in that sense, but at the same time, it, it is kind of a product of 1997. Yes, that's also true. I, <laughs> I think also one of the things I'm curious to see how they handle, which this might be more in terms of in terms of localization, is like, they bleep out cussing in that game. They do. <laughs> in the text box, they're like, but, how are they going to handle that here? Um, they should let Sid cuss. Um, 2K17. Let everyone cuss. Right, but Sid is your main. Yeah. I mean, Barrett, Barrett does too, but Sid, like, come on. Which I still love your reaction when I told you Sid's age. <laughs> you freaked out. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> still doesn't. I guess he does kind of look. Uh, it's it's the way that his hair looks, I yeah. guess. But um, yeah, he's. He's totally in his 30s. He's not old like I thought. <laughs> <laughs> he does seem kind of like a grumpy old guy at certain points, but I can understand why. I know they could never get away with it just because that localization has some prominent issues in terms of like how they handle race and and oh, speaking boy. and all that stuff, but <laughs> what if they just kept that, sh- that sh- localization and made everyone use the voice acting through that? This guy is sick. <laughs> uh, these guys are. Th- th- what was it? 
this guy are sick. These guys is sick. I can't remember the Aerist joke. Anyway, no one cares. But it was bad. I wish that they would keep parts of it. But I, I am also kind of put off by the whole like Barrett is very much a racial stereotype. Right. And I, I mean. And then you have people like Nomura coming out and be like, I don't see what the big deal was. And it's like, oh, God. dude, are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, I understand that like Mr. T was an actual person, but they essentially made him Mr. T. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Barrett is actually, in my opinion, one of the most underutilized characters in that game and the expanded universe. I mean, I, I use uh, him all the way through because I'm a good person. Well, I don't mean like people <laughs> using him in the game. I mean like in the story and the extended universe. Because like, tell me how often you got to see Barrett in Advent Children. <sighs> yeah, right. And he was like a major player at the beginning of the game, and then by the end of it, there's like, well, I don't know. You see more of his kid than you do of him. You do, and I know that they write it off, but I feel like I don't know. Part of the issue, and we've talked about this before they won't know this, is that... So Square kind of capitalizes on the whole, like, shipping wars for money. And I think it was kind of convenient for them to leave Barrett out of the whole, like, family situation because, like, oh, look, it's it's Cloud and it's Tifa and they have kids. It's like, no, actually, one of those is Barrett's and Barrett's just not there. Clearly they didn't get um, my shipping war right. Barrett slash Cloud? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> People always forget that one or Cloud and his gross tendencies since he decides at one point that he can date Yuffie. Don't do that, Cloud. You are in your 20s. Don't date You're the ninja kid. She's like 15 or 16. Is she 16? She's young. I think she's, I think she's 16 because Riku's 15. Anyway, don't make poor life choices, Cloud. And actually, you know what? That could just be the subtitle of the game. Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> don't make poor life choices, Cloud. Just go go, go date the vampire guy who's not a vampire, but basically is a vampire. Vincent? Yeah. He sleeps oh, okay. in a coffin. He does sleep in a coffin. He's ridiculous. I love Vincent Valentine. <sighs> Dirge of Cerberus did not do him any favors. I bet, I bet not. <laughs> but... I don't know. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, in terms of the story, it was good. Yeah. Um, it, it had some good points. And, you know, they, they kind of wrote it through the entire story. Obviously, has, like, one of the most impactful moments of gaming of all time that, like, people remember. I, I, th- uh, I thought something I found in that, uh, in that Polygon piece, there was, a, there was, like, a short bit that was, like, Square just still does not want you to use imagery from that scene, just in case of spoilers. It's like... Yo, it's been 20 years. I think everyone knows what happens there. I mean, there's even a joke about it in Wreck-It Ralph. I mean... Like, if you don't know what happens there, it's like, where have you been for the last 20 years? It was weird when I was playing it, and it's like, you cannot record this scene. I'm like, um, what? (laughs) What? Don't let anyone see this scene that's been out there for for the entirety of PS1 onwards video games. Right, right. And, I mean, it is... <sighs> it's it's a powerful scene. I, I admit that. And I feel like one of the greatest things about that scene, as weird as it is, is the fact that you are kicked like right into a battle and it uses Eris theme as the battle theme as opposed to like the Genova theme. Mm-hmm. That 
Oh man, that was so impactful. And I, I'm worried that we're going to lose that because with this whole like episodic nature of the new version coming out, you know, when, when she dies at the end of disc one, you're like, all right, let's, let's go do this. So I have something to fight for now. And I'm afraid that now it's going to be like, well, but that, okay, that's the episode cut off. Wait. Like you're going right. to be months in between. Right. And you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess I got to go get some revenge now. Three months later. Like, what have you been doing, Cloud? Just sitting there? <laughs> Just sitting here the whole time. Nothing much. <laughs> I, I think so. I think one of the things that also kind of sucks about that scene is that, like, that scene is very, very prominent in the culture of video games. But, like, for me personally, like, for, I guess, maybe other people outside of if they haven't played Final Fantasy VII, but they know that scene, like, you don't understand, like, why that scene is so powerful. Yep. And, like, it's just, like, it's, it always just seemed like, oh, well, they just killed off the main character. And I, get, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's a big deal, but, like, there's so much more nuance to that scene than you ever get from just, like, knowing, oh, well, he kills Aerith. There you go. Yeah. That's it. It's like, no, that's that scene sets up pretty much the rest of the entire game. Yep. And, like, that's the whole thing that, like, keeps you going through the entire game, but, like, you never know that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it's it's so spectacularly well done how, I will give Square credit for that, how they gave you that really big hinging point right at the end of the disc. And it's like, all right, now everything relies on that scene, whether it's your motivations to how the actual, like, end of the world apocalypse might actually play out. I mean, everything hinges on that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's fascinating because when you're first playing it, well, most people like you who played it late knew what was happening. They knew right. it was going to come. They didn't know when. As somebody who played it like without knowing. It was probably like, like, whoa. Right. And so one of the most interesting things to me is that if you look at the menus, usually there's always a gap left for her. Yeah. So it's it's like, oh, there's always a space for her, like in everybody's hearts. And you see that again in Advent Children, even though that movie sucks, that they (laughs) they all have the ribbon. So the the pink ribbon was showing that she was always there. And that's one thing that I get really, really upset with people on Final Fantasy VII is, you know, people always try and play characters off of each other, especially Tifa and Aerith, uh, Aeris, whatever you want to call her. And um, Advent Children does a lot. It does, and that bothers me because, like, you can tell by playing that game, they were bros. Like, those two girls liked each other. They they were they were pals. And I mean, Tifa clearly cared just as much as Aerith as Aerith cared about her. So, you know, don't don't pit women against each other. Don't do it. It's not cool. Don't do it. <laughs> so that that really really grinds my gears. I guess uh, I it me off. Whoa. To be quite frank. Whoa. Um, right. <laughs> because those two women, I mean, like, Yuffie, I'm sorry, you stole my materia. You don't get to be counted. <laughs> um, but Aerith and Tifa are both very well-written female characters in the game. Let me clarify. That's a, that's a big distinct ex- point. <laughs> in Extended Universe, not so much. But they both have very distinct personalities. They're both very strong in their different ways. And they're both very, very likable. And they clearly like each other and like everybody on the crew. So, I mean, like, there's no reason for people to just sit there. I mean, 
there is a reason because people are like, oh, who does Cloud love? It doesn't matter. Cloud loves whoever you want him to love. End of story. That boy needs to figure out how to love himself first. Right. Let Cloud be happy. Like, he's confused as crap. That poor child. The little... Oh, boy. He he does need to learn how to love himself first. But And forgive himself. That's one thing that I really, really like about Final Fantasy games is that they have and, well, they used to do a very, very good job of writing female characters. Like you were mentioning earlier, Yuna and Riku from Final Fantasy X are fantastic and even more fantastic in X-2. Yep, yep, yep. Um, they do a very, very good job of that. Garnet from Final Fantasy IX is phenomenal. But people just discount these characters because it's like, well, I don't like this one because she gets in the way of my ship. And I was like, you know what? You're dumb. Just, you're dumb. Stop. <laughs> I appreciate the characters that are there because they're all really good characters. Final Fantasy VII has really good character writing. Yeah. Like, full stop. Final Fantasy VII, the game, not the extended universe. Let me again clarify. I am not talking about extended <laughs> universe Final Fantasy VII. I probably will never be talking about good writing in the extended universe of Final Fantasy VII, except for maybe Crisis Core. But, I mean, did you have the same thing? Did you like everybody in the game? Was there anybody that you were just like, meh? No, I pretty much liked everyone. Like, I don't think there was anyone that I was really kind of like down on, per se. Yeah. Yeah, like, everyone um, was pretty much well-written well within the confines of the game itself. Right, like, I... One of my favorite characters in Final Fantasy VII is actually Red Thirteen. Yeah. Um, he has such a good arc, and it has one of the greatest reveals that he's actually essentially a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm, like, 40 years old. And like, yeah, that's basically a teenager. <laughs> It's so cute because he comes in and he's like the super serious character and you think that he's like going to be your your hardened elderly advisor and he's a baby. Like, he's nope. Great. <laughs> I love him. I love Red 13. He's such a good character. I think this game as well, like it gave me more of an appreciation for Cloud as well because I, I never really did have like that much knowledge. Infinity. Yeah, an infinity or really much knowledge of his character as well than, than you know, all the stuff I'd seen after Final Fantasy VII got big and everything, so like it was, it was a skewed perspe- perce- perception, excuse me, of <laughs> of him. So it gave me more of an understanding, like how why he's he is the way he is. Which like I think one of the good things that Final Fantasy VII does is like it gives a good representation of like of mental health mm-hmm. in a way, oh, like, totally- in a way that like I was not expecting a video game from 1997 to do. I mean, it does a great job with the whole, like, concept of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's not something that when you start playing the game, you're really expecting. No. No, not at all. Oh. And so, I mean, they they go at it in a very, like, fantasy way because it is Final Fantasy. <laughs> but it, it was very well done, in my opinion. And one of the greatest scenes in that game, in my opinion, is, like, the delve into his, his head. Yeah. To figure him out. I love that part. It's real good. And I, I think that also helped as well because like, I was playing through Steins Gate Zero at the time. And that also does a real good job of portraying mental health and PTSD and that stuff. Even though a lot of the rest of that game is kind of bad. But like both of those games in general like were very surprising in the way like they handled mental health in general. Especially because those are both games that come from very... 97 Square was a very Japanese developer. 
And then the Steinsgate series is also very Japanese in the way those stories are. So, like, it was very surprising to see, like, just positive ways that mental health was portrayed in video games. Like, you just, you you don't really see that that often, I don't think. Well, and, you know, with the extended universe stuff, Cloud becomes this, like, grim, dark, annoying character, mm-hmm. quite frankly. And he's not. He's not like that in Final Fantasy no. VII at all. I mean, like, this is the guy who at the very final part, like, when you're going to fight the final boss, says, let's mosey. Yeah. <laughs> Which I hope that they keep in, by the way. God, they better. Um, let's mosey is one of the greatest lines ever. Like, I was so pumped to fight that boss, and he's just like, let's mosey, everyone. Like, Cloud, I love you. I love you. And then I moseyed on and beat him in two turns. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> You didn't even get to the Sephiroth part of the song. I didn't. Like, I One Winged Angel played for like a tiny bit, and I was like, well, that battle's done. <laughs> Whoops. <sighs> so, I mean, Cloud obviously is a character that deserves a lot of talking about um, because he, he is the main character. It's very true. How about that? But he is a very complex character in the sense that, you know, he does deal a lot with, you know, what's expected of him because of his so-called profession, like what he what he feels was his profession, even though he wasn't, which don't let me forget to talk about that scene. Don't let me forget. Um, Don't forget to talk about that scene. (laughs) So he, he has this perception of like, what soldier should be and what a guy who is first class should be. And he has a whole lot of trying to live up to uh, expectations. The same thing with like Tifa um, where they have the whole well scene and she's like, well, you know, you're going to be my hero. You're going to come and you're going to save me. And he's having to constantly live up to that idea of he's going to be like the strong guy who can save everybody. And then he can't. There have been multiple times where he just cannot save people, and it breaks him. Literally, it breaks him. It's almost like once he kind of comes to that realization, like when he gets everything back, he's like, there's an embarrassment for him that he was never able to live up to anyone's expectations that that they had set for him. Right. And to me, that's fascinating for a character that, you know, they they have all this buildup of them of what they're supposed to be, and they can't do it. They can't live up to it. And they keep trying and they keep trying and they keep trying. And even, you know, with Cloud, he adopts, like, parts of someone else's personality because he is trying so hard to be, I mean, for lack of a better word, loved. Right. He wants people to care about him and he wants people to respect him and he wants people to think good things of him and he kind of keeps screwing up. <laughs> it almost It's almost in a way like a deconstruction of, like, that stereotypical chosen one trope that i mean like final fantasy games have been guilty of and most japanese rpgs have been guilty of of that time mm-hmm. which is like that's fascinating in and of itself right no i mean it totally is it, it it's great because honestly um if if we do go beyond the extended universe like into the extended universe stuff that chosen one trope falls onto zach not cloud mm-hmm. Zach, it really, really falls into that whole idea of like he's the chosen one. He's the one who's really good at all this stuff. He's the one that's going to change the world. But then he dies. Yep. What What do you do? 
and he died trying to protect Cloud. So it's kind of like, all right, well, now we have Cloud. He's going to be the one that uh, that is supposed to do this. But again, he keeps messing up because he's not the chosen one. He's he's not that guy. He's not that guy, and he he's constantly trying to live up to to what he should be and trying to live up to Zach, and he's not that. He's just not. And I think that's, like you said, that's fascinating, like, way of thinking about it is that it's just like a deconstruction of that trope that he's he's having to constantly fight that idea. Hmm. And then the extended universe comes, especially Advent Children, <laughs> and literally it's just like, hmm, all, the, all these good character traits that we've made in, the, in this game, let's cut that out. Let's cut this out. Let's cut that out. Oh, uh, we're going to undercut everyone's motivations and just characters in general. There you go. Yeah. God. Or just cut them out entirely. Like Red 13 was cut out. It's for one scene because like they said that animating his hair was too hard. Barrett was cut out because they didn't want him in this picture for whatever reason. Tifa becomes like this jealous, weird, like, angry woman trope and i'm like what is this which Where makes zero sense like that's because it doesn't make any sense at all especially considering that movie it takes place like what like a year or two a few years after the events of seven or something yeah it's like a year or two and like after everything had passed why would you suddenly just become jealous of someone who's been dead for two years <laughs> like i <sighs> God. Well, and I mean, she was there, so yeah. like she would understand. <laughs> and like Cloud suddenly like falls into this, which I can understand why he would be depressed. But the way that they handled his depression in Advent Children is just bizarre. Um, yeah, like I can understand him like still wanting to do like work in that same vein, but him just being like, "Oh, I'm gonna go on my motorcycle and ride and be very brooding all the time with my flip phone." It's like. Dude, that is not your character. That is not the the person that I had spent like numerous hours with in the game, just for Tetsuya Nomura to come in and everything up because he's a piece of. I agree with you. I mean, it's weird because we got all this character development of Cloud, and we got to the point where he feels like, okay, I'm okay. I can live with what happened. Let's move on and fight. And then, like, you get to Advent Children, and he's lost all that. He's like, well, okay, I feel bad because all this stuff happens. Like, what happened to you? What happened to that whole, like, head scene where you came out of it, and you were okay, and you were like, oh, wait, I'm Cloud. I'm not anybody else, and I can move on. Let's mosey. <laughs> what happened? And the only explanation is that Nomura is a bag. It's true. Ah, I hate him. He's the worst video game director of anyone. I, I, he really is. I, I mean, sorry for you Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts fans, but he is the worst. And, you know, taking such good characters and good characterization, just flushing it down the toilet is so upsetting to me. And... I mean, even like you were saying with Sephiroth, like in the game, he kind of comes across as like a spoiled man child yeah. who's confused about like his his parentage and he has like a God complex, which, OK, cool. That's fascinating. And a ghost he complex. does some really, really <laughs> he does really bizarre stuff like Chuck Materia at your forehead. But then like Advent Children comes along and he's none of that. 
None of it. There's these like three weirdos who are like, we're going to bring him back. And then like he comes back, he's like, hey, Cloud, I guess we're going to fight again. Uh. What do you treasure most? That should have like, that should have been Sephiroth in Advent Children. Like he he gets brought back, and he's just like, "Are you kidding me? I gotta fight you again? <laughs> like, come on! You wrecked me with Omni Slash already. Can we just leave it alone now, please? You stabbed me like how many times now? Like, I was also bothered by Advent Children in the sense that they're like, "Hey, let's reuse the whole idea of Cloud getting stabbed again," and I'm like, "Really? Like, how many times are we gonna stab Cloud?" <laughs> Like, I get that that's Sephiroth's thing, is that he's just going to, like, try and skewer him, and that's ah. it, but... He should throw a material I at mean, him and then stab him. Right! And it, it also kind of, like, discounts the whole Aerith thing. Yep. Because, um, like, Cloud keeps getting stabbed by Sephiroth, and then Aerith gets stabbed once, and is done. And, like... I mean, I understand she got stabbed to the stomach, but, like, why is he really not trying very hard on Cloud? great question uh, there may have been like uh, what like one or two good things in that movie i remember saying something that was real good i just can't remember so, it now rude and reno okay yeah yeah i don't know if you want to count them as the two good things or one but rude and reno in that are the only saving grace in my i know no sid is also good in that but rude and reno make that movie they could make like a buddy cop movie of god <laughs> I would watch it. That would be fantastic. They're so good together. And like the whole scene where Rude's glasses break <laughs> and he just looks horrified <laughs> and then pulls out another pair. I love it. I love that. Oh, they're so good. I would totally watch that. But it's the only redeeming part of Advent Children. It is. And, you know, I, I think that was cool that we actually got more of an expansion on their characters right. in that than we did in Final Fantasy VII. But. I don't know. Can I talk about that scene? Talk about that scene. So I don't know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've mentioned this to you a few times. When you play Final Fantasy VII, okay, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII. There is a missable scene that explains. Oh right. A huge, huge part of the story, like a massive part of the story, and it's completely missable. There's no indication that you should do it. And that makes me crazy. That's so bonkers. Um, it is. Because once you know this part of the story, once you've seen this scene, it makes a lot of the the interactions with Cloud and understanding Cloud a lot more impactful. Because it's about Zack. And the whole thing is that the beginning, Cloud is supposed to be like emulating Zack. And you go through and you... you um, when you see the scenes where he's thinking that he's Zack, that he was in Zack's position, when you go through the scene and you see, like, oh, that was actually Zack in the first place, you want to know what the heck happened to Zack? Who is Zack? Why does this matter? So after you get Cloud back from his fun, fun brain journey, <laughs> you have to go back to Nibelheim, go back to um, the Shinra basement, and it triggers this scene. And it's entire back scene of what happens after um, the whole scene in the reactor. And so it's basically Zack rescuing Cloud. And then it shows him getting Cloud out. It shows how Cloud even got his soldier uniform. And it shows what happens to Zack. And how Cloud got his legacy and his buster sword. 
it's also the exact point where Cloud breaks. So this is the part where Cloud's mind just vomits on itself oh. and like becomes, yeah, becomes like an emogulation of all these different things that he thinks he should be. I feel like that is a huge mistake to make that miss make that a missable scene. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't really even know anything about Zack until they play Crisis Core. And that's disappointing. They did change a little bit of his death in Crisis Core, which, spoiler alert, Zack dies. What? Right. But Zack is such a good, good character. And I love that guy. It goes back into his back... Uh, Crisis Core goes back into his backstory with Eris, which um, is also a missable scene that you can find out more about um, their relationship in Final Fantasy VII. But... I feel like it was a huge, huge mistake to make this entire backstory of Zack and, by proxy, Cloud, just something that you don't even have to see. I didn't see it until I was in college. Yeah, but that's that's the, like the the craziest thing because like you played this entire game through, and then like it was years later, it was like, oh, there's this missable scene that I completely missed the first time or second time or third time. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's disappointing to me because I'm like I feel like I missed a huge part of Final Fantasy VII because I didn't know to go back to Nibelheim. Because why would you go back to Nibelheim other than uh, I guess you could get Tifa's final limit? But it, it's so frustrating to me because, in my opinion, that is bad storytelling. While I'll give Final Fantasy VII a lot of points in storytelling, I will subtract for that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You know, there should have been some hint, maybe, to go back there and check it. Or maybe um, if you're going to make it missable, like, make it something that's not that important. Right. I feel like maybe if they had put this whole scene of what happened with Zack, like, after he remembers who he is and what happened to him, like, if, if it had happened after the brain dive, and they're like, oh well, this is what actually happened. Like, maybe a continuation of when you realize, oh, Cloud was actually the infantryman. Mm -hmm. Like, if they had just continued that scene and showed what happened, you know, why would that hurt the game it wouldn't. at that point to do it? It would have made so much more sense. Right. And it's so disappointing to me because it's, it's a good scene. It builds on Zack. It builds on Cloud. And it really is the starting point of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it's him getting the sword and going and deciding he's going to be a mercenary in Midgar. That's that's what the final part of this cutscene is, is him deciding, okay, I'm going to continue what Zack said to do. And then, like, the scene opens up with him at the train station, and that's, that's literally the beginning of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> like, ah! God, they, they can't do that again for the remake, can they? I don't see how they could. I mean, like, why would you make that such a skippable part? And right. I don't know. Like, maybe it's because I do like Zack so much, but that was disappointing to me. And I, you know, I didn't like Zack as much before Crisis Core because I didn't know crap about him. And, yeah. You know, I got the cutscene in college. I'm like, where the crap was this? Where was it? He's just like the dude, or just like He's this guy this guy who had the who was who the was who, who Cloud thought he was. That's basically all you know about him. Yeah, um, so I'm glad that he eventually got some characterization, but 
it's so disappointing to me that that's that's missable. Yeah. And you didn't even see it, did you? I don't think so. I, you had told me about it before, but I don't think I actually. I don't think I. I don't know if I went and saw it. Okay. In the game, at least, I might have seen so, a, like a YouTube version of it or something that you sent me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, like Advent Children, even builds on that with him, like. Zach saying, "Oh, you weren't soldier, but you're carrying on my legacy and things like that." So and him showing up at the end with Ares, right? I mean, it's you need that scene to understand a lot of Cloud. Yeah, and it's, God. it doesn't make any sense. Ah, <sighs> <sighs> so anyway, that's my rant about the missable <laughs> scene. Actually, um, you know, there's I've got another rant. Thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this one's quick. This one's really quick. Also, if you don't pick up Vincent or you don't get Vincent's um, final weapon and limit, you also miss the fact of um, Sephiroth's parentage. Yeah, that's a big thing, too. Right. Because this entire game, he's like, Genova is my mother. Genova is my mother. And then, and like, like nah, dog. okay, nope. you can accept that. And then, like, you get the Vincent. And you're like, oh, wait, his mother is not Genova. Nope. So anyway, that was a short rant, but there it is. Thanks, Square. Yep. And I understand that, like, RPGs back then, and even some extent now, like to hide things. Yeah. But don't hide major plot points. That's, that's, yeah, that's just dumb. (laughs) That's a bad idea all around. I guess it should also be mentioned that Final Fantasy VII has a pretty fantastic soundtrack. That's all right. Wow. It's wow. yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Wow. I mean, it's not the greatest soundtrack. It's it's not even the greatest of the Final Fantasy series, but it's good. I mean, I'm going to get people fighting me on that one. I mean, people a, are going to argue with me. A wrestler has One-Winged Angel as his finishing move name. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. So, the soundtrack of Final Fantasy is great. One-Winged Angel is not the best boss theme. Period. End of story. <laughs> Fight, guys. Because One-Winged Angel has nothing, 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 nothing compared to Final Fantasy VI. Nothing. I love how fired up you're getting. <laughs> so, One-Winged Angel just gets like this great, great reputation and it is it's good i admit that but if somebody hasn't listened listened to dancing mad from final fantasy 6 and they sit there and say that one way angel is better they're wrong i mean they also sit there for like 20 minutes right i think it's like i think it is 20 minutes um dancing mad's very long uh 17 ish minutes but i mean that song that song's like four tracks in in one almost and i'll even argue which, again, this might be controversial. The Extreme from Final Fantasy VIII is better than One Wing Angel. I will co-sign that. And I haven't even played Final Fantasy VIII that much. Yeah, this is why we're friends. It's <laughs> mostly so, so just because you're like, here, put all this Final Fantasy VIII music on your playlist. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> that one, I will argue. Final Fantasy VIII has the best, the, the best soundtrack of any Final Fantasy game, period. Fight me. There you go. You you ha- now have to fight and Lady for Final for best Final Fantasy soundtrack license. It, it's it's good. The extreme is phenomenal though. That and, song is um, very good. 
And Dancing Mad is good. One Way Angel is okay. I actually prefer Genova, the uh, fight theme for Genova over um, hmm. over One Way Angel. I mean, to put this in perspective, when I played that awful last Final Fantasy XV demo, what was the soundtrack <laughs> I played in that awful controlling car? The Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack. Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I have converted you to a Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack fan. That's Not it. That's it, though. <laughs> Not the game. Just Not the, the game. soundtrack. <laughs> one day. One day. I did. We did finally get you to play Final Fantasy VII, so maybe one day uh, eight will happen. Uh, maybe. <sighs> all right. All right. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I think before we go, though, we should kind of touch briefly on about the remake. Because we, we kind of have throughout the show but like Gattered, yeah so episodic yep which people will take or leave considering mm-hmm. there's the stigma around episodic games to a certain extent we still don't know when that thing's coming out nope it would make sense to do it this year if they're smart but they also they also have kingdom horse 3 like- coming out sometime and we don't know when that's coming out either so well and they're also not really known for making the greatest decisions ever, very so. true <laughs> It would make sense for this year because, holy crap, that game is old now. And that makes me old by proxy. Wow. Because the last, so the last it, time they showed it was at... It was what, two years ago? PSX 2015. Oh my god. Which would have been December of 2015. So I would assume we have to hear something about that thing at E3. I would assume so. And... I know a lot of people are really concerned about the battle system. Hello! Especially after playing the demo of Final Fantasy XV. Hello! I'm in that boat too! Yeah, like, I I understand why they would want to go that route, but if they don't have an option for classic battle or... If they don't do like a split between like, oh, you can do these with like the action Final Fantasy Fifteen style or just classic turn-based style. That's a huge mistake. I I agree that there should be some kind of option. I know that like one of the elements of it is like the running around, but you can even automate the running around if you need to, if you want to do like a classic battle system. Right. Um, right. I feel like it would be a giant, giant mistake for them to just stick with one option for the battle because Final Fantasy VII is so well known, and Final Fantasy VII was turn-based, mm-hmm. and I feel like the only way to win in this is to give two options because if you go with turn-based, you're going to upset some people. If you go with action, you're going to upset some people. So if there's a way to make it so you can do like a paused play style, like where you have the menu, I think that's the best way to go about it, in my opinion. Maybe like kind of like the Dragon Age Inquisition style where like there was the like there was the action style, like third person action style. But then also you could press a button and zoom out to like a tactical view. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and play I mean, like that, that. that's what I'm uh, is more of like a an active slash wait. Um right. like Final Fantasy Ten Two did an active slash wait. Mm-hmm. Um you could you could choose whether or not you wanted to wait in the menu or if you wanted it to be active. Like that that to me is the best way to go about it. Yeah. That way you're not gonna upset either party. Which I mean, obviously the saying is gonna upset people. Just oh, yeah. in just in general. But I mean, to be honest, I will be very upset if they take out Let's Mosey. I will be very upset. 
And I really, really, really want to see Barrett in the sailor suit in HD. I want to see Goofy Sephiroth in HD. <laughs> Too bad they won't have the weird face that he used oh, to have. Oh, man. <laughs> that PC port that had the weird like mouth open of Sephiroth throughout all the cutscenes was... God, that's so good. Oh, man. I wish... Like, can we use that image for this? I mean, obviously, that was the image I was going to use, but yes, of course. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but the remake, yeah, I... I, I have concerns about how they're going to handle yeah. the story because, like we said, a lot of people don't expect it to be as goofy as it mm-hmm. was. And that, that localization is obviously, I mean, it's not going to be like the first game where it, it was one dude who did it in like two months. Right. Like, it's, it's obviously going to have a lot more polish, but I think adding a lot more polish to that script is going to make it lose some of its charm. Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, it's kind of a if you do if you don't situation very much so but they put themselves into it so <laughs> they're the yeah. ones who told us they're gonna remake it which i mean i guess if maybe if they didn't come out and put that pc port on ps4 we would not be in this situation <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was so funny so good let's bring out the head of square and, t- and tell everyone final fantasy 7 is coming to ps4 here you go oh 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 <laughs> Oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, that was so good. This is so good. So good. Because at the end of that, they like, they pan to the crowd and everyone's just like, arms crossed, like just staring at this guy like, are you kidding me? God. (laughs) Uh, I think that's like, the best example of squares, yeah, choices lately. Like that, that is the best, like quintessential mm. square right there. It is. It represents every every square decision lately. It's just like they're like, yeah, this is great. And everyone's like, huh? Is it great? Uh, it's, it's like it's almost like how did no one think that was gonna? You're gonna give this a lot of time to Square to talk about Final Fantasy VII's port to PS4, and that's all you get. That's all you can do. You can't do anything else. And probably like everyone else is like, "Uh, guys, this is gonna end real bad." <laughs> oh my goodness! Final Fantasy VII, you are you have quite the legacy to live up to. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to put it. I think it's the best way to put it. I mean, like you said at the beginning, some people put this at the very, very top of their, not only their top of the Final Fantasy game list, but some people put it at the very, very top of their games, Mm -hmm. period, list. Which probably helped as well, because this was a lot of people's first Final Fantasy game, because they may not have been able to get into the, the... like one, two, or three of the American versions of Final Fantasy just because of the way those those 16-bit and 18-bit JRPGs were at the time. And this one was a little bit more accessible because it was 3D and everything. And it wasn't as like brutally difficult, I would say, than any of those earlier JRPGs. But yeah, like it, it in a way, Final Fantasy VII is the Mario Kart syndrome of the <laughs> franchise where it's like the first one you play is obviously going to be the best one. Uh, that's interesting. I, I actually don't fall into that situation, but I'm I'm a weirdo, so. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, 
but that that's a good way to put it actually it makes sense um you know some people are just forever gonna love the popeye arms <laughs> man popeye arms are gonna be gone also cloud and his giant purple suit is probably gonna be gone I am going to be very sad if they, I mean, we already seen him. He doesn't have the purple anymore. It's and I'm disappointing. Sad they did retcon that in crisis core, but Ooh. It, I, I liked purple a lot. Um, purple so was dumb. Like a, a lower soldier class and black was the um, primary soldier, uh, soldier first class. So black will be his, his outfit now. So goodbye. Grape cloud. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. We loved you. We salute you. We do. In our sailor suit marshmallow outfits. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we should talk about Final Fantasy VII wise or? Um, don't steal people's materia. I mean, yeah, that's true. Oh, God. <laughs> my, fr- my freaking two hours I spent trying to find all that materia again. Man, that was a bad time. I remember you were texting me, and you're like, where is Yuffie? <laughs> well, it was, it was at that point I was like, man, I'm regretting getting her. I could have skipped all this. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's all I got. Don't steal people's materia. Don't steal people's materia. Um, don't, be a, don't, don't sleep be, in a coffin. Don't sleep in a coffin. Don't, don't be grimdark in general. Have some balance in your life. Don't be an edgelord. Don't be an edgelord. Don't throw materia at people. <laughs> And then fly off. <laughs> and then fly off. Actually, do you know what? That's good life. Yeah, yeah. Advice. Throw material people and then just like float away. Like, ha ha He's like such a ridiculous villain. Like the the one part um, where he's talking about the black materia and he's tricking whoever you gave the black materia to. And he's just like standing on the edge of the cliff with his arms like shaking up and down. Like, ha ha ha. You're is like, that where what? like he disguises himself as Tifa? And then, like, Red 13 goes off and is like, hey, I, need, I, I need to get the, the, the black materia or something. Or he needs to get it to yeah. Cloud. And then, like, he transforms back. He's like, ah, ha, 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 I've done it. Ah. Yes. He's, like, the most stereotypical villain at that point. Yes, that is that scene. God, he's, a, he's a cartoon character. He is. He is. Um, and so, you know, I think that's the one thing that I will say is that um, – him killing Eris is the the one thing in that game that really, really makes me take him seriously. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> because the rest of you like, who is this Joker? What is he doing? Who are you? <laughs> I don't know why that came out with a weird accent, but it did. Just some weirdo with parent issues and can fly and does ghostly stuff. I mean, what else would you want from life? That's very true. <sighs> That's Final Fantasy VII for you. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a fun podcast. This has been. (laughs) Inside baseball here. Somehow we went an hour without having any show notes or any idea what we were going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We've just been talking. (laughs) That's a sack OVA way. Oh, yeah. Huh. Also, you didn't make your Big Willie joke, and I'm real disappointed. Well, as we end this podcast, let's just think back to the great year of 1997, when Final Fantasy VII was first originally released in all territories. And maybe, you know, just to set the mood, you should uh, pop out your, your old boombox, your old CD player, if they still have those around. I don't know. Your Walkman. Oh, the Walkman. I 
I, I, Walkman CD player. Yeah, I, I I put Walkman more with like a cassette player. I had a Walkman CD player, man. Walkman. I mean, they do put the Walkman cassette player at the end of part two of JoJo. So, <laughs> God. God, we need anyway. we need to do an episode on JoJo when you finish part two of JoJo. By the way, uh, anyways, right. you know, just set the mood to think it's 1997 again. I mean, things were better. It was the 90s. And maybe put on one of the best uh, best albums of 97. From your pal Will Smith, Big Willie style. Has all of those hot bangers on it. Getting jiggy with it. Miami. Men in Black. Whoo. Whoo. I'm feeling it. I am looking at my CD copy of Big Willie style right now, just to let you know. I'm looking at my cat. <laughs> So there, there you go. There's my, there's the Will Smith joke for the episode. Good, thank you. Uh, yeah, this is a, uh, this is episode seven of Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA, which you can find on seasonalanimecheckup.com, sac.cool, iTunes, Google Play, like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Boop boop. Or do, or don't do it. I don't care. No, do it. Be friends with us. Be friends we with like us. everyone. Yeah, you can find all sorts of stuff at the website seasonalanimecheckup.com. Game of the Year stuff, regular Seasonal Anime Checkup podcast questions comments concern go to jared seasonalanimecheckup.com if you have problems with this podcast maybe talk to both of us instead of one singling out one person because that's a cool thing to do <laughs> and uh go follow ann ladium at anladium.com she writes cool stuff she has game of the year she has reviews up we talked about a piece she was she's still in the middle of writing of that i'm very excited to read at some point that she's slowly getting to but you know we're not I we're not gonna pressure her or anything man i mean phd come on exactly <laughs> phd <laughs> but- work is like a little bit higher on the rung than this piece, but yeah. <laughs> it's about Final Fantasy, though, guys. Which is what? Get hype. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode. I I honestly don't know what the future plans for this podcast. I mean, obviously, we're going to have more episodes, but I don't know when the next episode of this podcast is going to go up because I don't, don't know which episode I want to do next. So that's kind of a problem, but <laughs> that's a problem for future me. To, to figure out but uh yeah we'll be back at some point in the near future talking about something game anime manga related or, or i don't know maybe we'll just talk about something different who knows it's my podcast my rules yeah i'm just here for the cookies that's true free cookies for everyone who comes on to the season check up OVA. <laughs> that's a lie since i'm in a completely different state than you <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, leave all your Final Fantasy hate mail at the door. Bye. We love you. Bye.